For as long as I've known the NBA, it's been a stars league. But even among the stars, there's an exclusive club. Russell, Dr. J, Jordan, Kobe. They're all part of a select group that paved the way for the NBA superstar of today. And some even shared secrets with each other along the way. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Jackie McMullen, and this is the Icons Club. It's the Full Go, presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. And right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays, or SGPs as the kids like to call them, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Chicago everywhere. Check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. He is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Golf, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. A very special edition of The Full Goal Podcast. We had a chance to sit down with B.J. Armstrong, three-time world champion, and now player representative for NBA guys such as Derrick Rose and many others. We had a detailed conversation about Michael Jordan, the 90s NBA, Derrick Rose, LeBron James, and all the other things. We hope you enjoy it. This is The Full Goal Podcast with Jason Golf. Bulls talk with Jason Golf on the full goal. Flies in with a two-handed slam dunk. Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. I appreciate you uh, taking some time out to hang out with us. Last time we did this, it was me, you, and Will for uh, the uh, Last Dance documentary stuff. So, oh, okay. Uh, oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad I had to press the oh, Are you with The bit. Ringer now? Is that what you do? Is that what? Yeah, yeah. Those, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm still with NBC. But, How Bill uh, doing? How Bill doing? You know, Bill, Bill, he, he's slippery. He's slippery. Hey, hey, don't, don't tell me about it. <laughs> Dollar Bill, Bill Dollar Bill, pop in on me every once in a while. Make sure I'm not, you know, tearing shit up too much. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. So, so you know, we 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 started recording already. Um, and I want Jesse to know this, you know, our producer, Jesse Lopez, okay. the active Jesse Lopez, he's out there in L.A. And he, you know, he um, he monitors the Chicago thing from afar. Uh, usually my man, Chris Tannehill, is on here with us. He's a Chicago guy. 
Okay. Uh, so he under- he understands the the connection and why I was so excited to talk to you. I- I've had a chance to talk to you a few times, but uh, you are to me the connection to two very distinct eras of Chicago Bulls basketball. Obviously, uh, your connection with Derek, and obviously the three time world champion uh, aspect of this. But I will never forget. Uh, I believe it was. 1990, 1991, you know, a young, uh, young, fresh faced Jason Goff roaming the streets of Evanston, Illinois. Oh. Go, go down to go down to Church Street Barbershop. Mm. You know, my, my, my weekly Friday visit to Big Sam and the boys. You know, my dad had a tab for me, so I never had to carry cash around too tough. I walk up to the barbershop and I see the Range Rovers outside. So I'm like, uh oh, somebody must be in here. And then I pull up. And it's Scottie Pippen, it's BJ Armstrong, it's the whole gang. And um, in that moment, I was like, oh, okay, well, these dudes are real dudes, right? right. These, these, dudes are, these dudes are around the, the areas that I'm around. I even got you to sign my Ricky Henderson glove at the time. Oh, my mom, okay, I, okay. I, I, called, I called my mom on the payphone at the barbershop, and she was like, have them sign something. And I'm like, I don't got shit on me but my glove. <laughs> but, <laughs> and you did that, and I, and I appreciated that back then. And, of course, um, just watching your career, um, you know, it, it's it's funny because in watching today's NBA, and I was just getting ready to talk to Jesse about what what happened last night, right? The Sacramento uh, Chicago game was late West Coast game, and still thinking about it being one of the worst losses of the season, and how much goes into the um, the the mental aspect of the game, and this may be a tie into the Derek stuff as well, as well as your time as a Chicago Bull. But how many different things are happening at once? So in this instance, the Chicago Bulls are you know going up against Sacramento Kings, but Zach Levine misses a couple of game, couple of days uh, of practice, or doesn't have to uh, practice for a couple of days. He misses the Cleveland game because of his knee and how it's acting up on him a little bit. And we have the conversation of he had 22 in the second half. He was aggressive, but he talked about tiptoeing through the first part of the game and how, you know, he has to be more aggressive and and learn to deal with this knee situation. Um, When a guy's got that much money on the line and he's being looked at as a leader, uh, I, I think sometimes fans and observers don't understand how much pressure is on those moments. And you played through it and you've been around it as well. Um, the, the mental aspect of the game and, and how professionals have to deal with certain conversations, certain situations. Uh, how, how does that, how does that differ from what we see or what is publicly portrayed in terms of everything that you guys have to calculate and think about before you make your next move? Because a lot of people are sitting around like, okay, if Zach isn't right, then you're going to have to pay him $200 million for the next five, six years. Do you, do you take this time now and say, Hey, Sit yourself down, get yourself right. Is it a pain threshold thing? Like, what what goes into those kinds of conversations that fans aren't aware of in, in the in the psyche of a player as well? Oh man, that's that's, that's a big question. How much time we got here? Hey, we got as much time as you gonna give me. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, you know, being an agent has been has given me a very unique perspective that I learned some things that I never even anticipated that I would learn among this latest journey that I've taken on. You know, as a player, I can certainly give you the, you know, the stand-in answer. You know, clearly the players want to be able to 
you know, earn as much as they possibly can. Rightfully so, right? They're, you know, players play. They know they have a very limited time to play. So when you reach that part of your career, you want to be able to, you know, respectfully earn as much as you can. And the you get it. You are in a partnership with the league, the owners, and it's a partnership. So everyone has the right. So that that's just the business part of it. You know, that's the business of sports. And then there's the basketball business. Now, you don't have that earning potential if you don't have your help. And right now, when you're playing, and let's take Zach, because we're talking about Zach. It's not so much that he's having problems with his knee currently. Right. Let's just call it what it is. The real thing is, what's... What is, if he has to take a physical right now, okay, what are the other teams going to say is going on with his health? That's that's the bottom line. And hopefully for him, knock on wood, that, you know what, he'll get a clean slate and he will earn as much as he should earn, could earn, and ought to earn. So the big thing for him is to really, he's got to weigh these options of saying and really begin to think long-term. Okay? You know, because a game in March on a Monday night (laughs) is not as significant as him putting having a career where the next seven, eight years, hopefully, or 10 years or whatever he has to play, where he can go on. So he's got to have a long-term approach. As an athlete, you live in the now. Because how many times have we heard this team is up next or this team gets to the NBA finals and then that never happens? So what I admire about Zach in this situation is the following. He has the sense of urgency to know now because he knows what's on the other side. On the other side is losing. That's That's what I admire about him. Okay? But I also want to be an adult in the situation that says and say to him, Zach, and I don't know anything about a situation. I'm just answering. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Zach is, we have to think long-term here because your health, that's the most important thing. Because what you don't want to do is for him to injure something that will possibly short tail his career. And, and, and worse off, worse than that is, to short, you know, shortchange his earning potential of what he can. Because clearly, if his health is there, he's a max player. Yeah. Okay. But if his health isn't there, now that's where it gets complicated. Okay. When I mean gets complicated, let's take Joel Embiid, who could be the MVP this year. That's a very complicated negotiation, not because of talent, it's because of health. Right. I'm paying you for what you will do, too. And that's where it gets complicated here. And I've been on both sides, you know. Joel Embiid, there's no argument about his talent. There's no argument whether he could play, ought to play. If he's he's healthy, if he's available, he will be one of, if not the most dominant player in the league. So I just hope that Zach can see the entire picture, see the, the whole picture, because Zach is in a situation he's never been in before. And I'm sure he wants to capitalize on this. I'm sure he wants to play, participate. They've had a great year, you know, it was an unfortunate loss, but you have bad losses during the course of the year. 
mm-hmm. better to have a bad loss than say have a bad season. Okay. Right. Right. That was a bad loss last night. And I watched that game, but however, they're still in the playoffs. They're still have a magnificent season going and they got time to turn it around. And I think right now Zach is in a situation where he's just got to look at it and say, what's best for me moving forward so that he can continue to play at this level for many years to come, not just this moment in time. How were those decisions different, if at all, in the 90s when you were playing? I mean, brands, you know, there were like maybe 10, 20 brands around the league. Now it's right. about 150 different brands in terms of personal things at stake and, um, you know, uh, networks and how many people you feeding. <laughs> You're like, there's a right, lot of different right. things, a lot of different satellites orbiting each other in the NBA world now. Similar situation back in 92, 93, when you were playing. How, how does it change? How is it different? It, it's funny, you know, and hopefully I can articulate this in the correct way. There's so much more information that's available to you now than it was then, okay? You know, you, you got an x-ray. I remember many times you, you, you break your finger, for instance, right? Mm-hmm. All right. All right, I got a broken finger. I just tape it up. Put a splint on it. <laughs> and you play. Okay, now a guy breaks a pinky finger and he's out for six, eight weeks. No, I'm not, and, I, and I'm not saying, I, listen. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah, this I, is about to be the played, get, off, yeah. get off Mr. Armstrong's lawn portion yeah, of yeah, the Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying like these guys, but we didn't have the same information that right. these current players have today. I'm sure if I would have known my ankle was broken, I probably wouldn't have played. But guess what I did? I taped it up and I figured out how to play and you just move on. That's just, that was just the error that we played. Doesn't make it right or wrong. It's just different. different. It's just a different time. So, you know, it's not like that era was tough and these guys aren't. It's just, we just didn't have the information available to us. That's just, it just is what it is, right? But as science has grown, technology, so forth and so on, now these guys can make better decisions. Clearly, your health, you know, if you could, if I could play 20 years, just do the math. Okay? So, you know what I mean? So it's not like, oh, man, we were tough and they're not. No, if, if we could have played 20 years, we would have done the same thing. It's so, amazing that you say that, BJ, because I think about, I remember when I first saw Kevin Garnett, I'm like, man, this dude, if, if he's done playing at 38, 39, that's a 20-year career, whereas I was looking at James Buda Edwards and Robert Parrish and thinking, exactly. man, Bird only played 12. You know, Isaiah only yeah, played, played 12. 12. Like, we get we getting the guys now who've been 15 years yeah, and, like, you know, it's still going. Yeah, you know, you watch players like LeBron right now, you're going, wow. Like, he's utilizing and maximizing the information that's available to this generation mm-hmm. and playing at a high level at 37. Wow. Okay. So I, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. And like I said, I just want to articulate in the right way. Yeah. I admire it because it still takes dedication. It still takes discipline. It still takes the same thing. And now, you know, it's great. You know, the equipment is better. The shoes are better. The courts are better. The, the, the way they take care of their bodies. When I first came in the league, you know, we were traveling commercial. You know, the eating is better. The hotels are better. All of these things are better, which you know, affects their bottom line and their earning potential. That's just, call it what it is. So, um, 
But again, if I would have known not to play with broken fingers, well, you know, whatever, the next time you see all these guys together, just look at their fingers. Oh, the hands. Yeah, yeah. just look at their yeah. hands, you know. I mean, because... Lionel Holland scared the shit out of yeah, me one time Lionel, when I shook his hand. Lionel has here. MJ's fingers are here. You know, you see Larry Bird. You see, you know, I always make fun of Magic. You know, you know when he got his statue out there, I was like, that's not your finger because your finger goes like this way. The way you know, his index finger, you know? So, I mean, you look at these guys like, you know, mine are okay. You know what I mean? But right, I'm right. not like holding mine up so people can see them. We all have our... But that's what you did. That's yeah. just what it was. You know what I mean? Guys had broken hands. I vividly guys, and you just put a little plate over the top of your hand and you play. I remember you know? the glove. Yeah, yeah the you glove put the with glove. The that's plate. what you yeah. did, right? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that's some caveman. I mean, you think shit about it now. You're day, like, man. you're like, man, what was I thinking? You know what I mean? No, you weren't thinking. That's why you played. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's <laughs> you know, like we put ourselves at risk because. Just be honest. We didn't know any better. What's the most ridiculous thing that you can remember right now where you're like, if that was today, there's no way in hell that person would have been on the court. Man, you know, know, I'm friends with all these guys, right? And I don't want to be calling people out because it's like being insensitive. But it'd be a measure of toughness, too, though. Like, I can't believe his dumb ass went out there with all that. (laughs) Literally, like, you know, you'll see a guy sprain an ankle now, right? You'll see a guy sprain an ankle and, you, and he'll be like, oh, he'll be out, you know, eight weeks. And and I'll, and I'll just be sitting there thinking, like, you know, it's a struggle for me right now to, like, get out of bed, right? Because I know I play, you know, what's funny, I, I just tell, I'm going to tell you a story about myself. I sprained my ankle bad, I mean, really bad. Like, like one of those, like, I knew something was bad. It was probably yeah. broke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember what I did with the help of Chip Schaefer to just play the very next night. Not like a day off and... Back-to-back joints. No, no, yeah. no I, to, to get back. Because this is how crazy I was thinking. Because I felt the more I would sit out, the worse it was going to get. I didn't want... I just wanted it to, like, if I could just work through it. it play with your up. new ankle. Yeah, if it could just loosen up. And I and I and I was afraid to get like an MRI or X-ray because if they said it was broke, I knew I couldn't play. You know what I mean? Like, just how crazy does that sound? But what'd you do though? Nah, I I I want you to skip over. You said I can't believe what I did with Chip Schaefer. Yeah, what I did was I went, I did all the rehab I could, iced that thing down, kept the swelling as down as I could, taped that thing up, and I played. I played the next night. Played the next night in Detroit. I remember that. Played the next night. I remember who I got hurt against. I jumped up. I was shooting a jump shot. Came down on somebody's foot. Taped that thing up and just kept playing. Because I was afraid that they was going to find something that was broke or I was going to have to sit out. And I was like, nah. They was like, how you doing? I was like, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. Just You didn't want to miss your moment. I Not my moment. I, I, I had worked my whole life to get here. It, it was nothing was going to keep me back. I'm not saying it was the right thing to do. After thinking about it, it's crazy to do. But... I wanted to play and I played and, um, you know, as you say, you know, you, you know, I did, I, I just did what I had to do to get through that moment. Time for some commercials.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What up, world? It's Vic Spencer, and you're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. This is the perfect segue to what I wanted to talk to you about next. Um, I remember 2012. I was on the baseline, Philadelphia 76ers, Chicago Bulls, and I remember uh, I remember Derek crashing to the ground, and I remember looking down and thinking, uh-oh. And I was next to Agray Sam at the time, who was working for NBC Sports Chicago. And we were walking through the, the tunnel. And I was like, this ain't good. And <clears throat> I remember walking up to Reggie and asking him, like, you know, what's going on? And he said, you know, he'll be okay. You know, it's a big brother trying to look out for his little brother. And I thought to myself, if this ain't good, they're going to they're gonna have to get somebody around him. Because Derek, to me, and Tom Thibodeau were so perfect because they seemingly were like basketball robots. Like they, they always pushed through with hoop, right? Whatever, whatever was going on, whatever was happening, basketball was always the, the, the safe place, right? And now that we're in this mental health, and, and I don't want to say age or era because I don't want to um, decry it or downplay it. I'm, I'm you know, mm-hmm. I, 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 see, I see therapists twice a week. You dig? Mm-hmm. Like making sure that your, your brain is right and, and your emotions are intact. It's very important to me. But I thought to myself in that moment, if he is hurt, I just hope that that Derek can push through it mentally or get help mentally because of the dark space. I mean, you know, this man is the MVP. You know, they were the, they were the next thing, right? And, and I, I got killed in the city for thinking like, hey, man, that Miami Heat team is tough. I love the Bulls as much as anybody else, but Derek Rose is six yeah, foot yeah, eight, I mean, they, 260 yeah. pounds. And... Looking back on it, the, the difference that half a decade makes, five years fast forward, you know, we're talking about Ben Simmons. You know, DeMar DeRozan comes out. Kevin Love comes out. You were around, Derek, and we saw the documentary when he got traded and, and the moment, just thinking about the moment, what it did to him. Uh, that was a dark place for Chicago basketball. I can only imagine what was going on with Derek at the time. What was, what was it like for you being around that moment where, um, the, like, the city's kind of hero all of a sudden, it took a nasty, very ugly turn. And it was as if after that, people were mad at him for getting injured, you know? And then, yeah. and then the not coming back stuff and people not understanding that there are setbacks and rehab you know? and confidence <laughs> mentally. Like, what was that like for you? Because I, I fought a lot of battles and I wasn't even that close to it. Yeah, it, it's, it's interesting to look back on it. But the one thing that I've always admired about him and I've always tried to instill in him and, and walk this path with all of my clients, not just him, but in particular, since we're talking about him, is you have to walk your truth. And, you, and the one thing that won't change no matter what is you have to live your integrity and live your truth. And don't compromise that. And that's the one thing I respect about Derek, more so than the basketball, right? is Derek has always lived his truth. It's funny now when you see someone gets hurt, right? You see like 
you know, Porzingis or these players get hurt because injuries are part of the game. They'll stay out for two years and it's perfectly fine. <laughs> okay. You see these players stay out for more than a year and a half, two years, two and a half years and come back. And you'll see the statements. We just want to, you know, acknowledge all of these things. Well, at that time, you know, that wasn't the, that wasn't the feeling, you know, that wasn't the narrative. Okay. But to Derek's credit, and I have to say this too, because Jerry Reinsdorf was on board the, the, to- the whole time. He never pushed Derek to come back. He said, Derek, when you are ready to come back, because anyone that's in a position of leadership that matches people understands that what's right for BJ is not the same that's right for John, who's not the same as right for Sally. Everyone's different. And he, and he was in full support of Derek. I just want to make sure we're clear with that. Derek lived his truth because Derek understood who Derek Rose was and how he was viewed. When you are a star player, unlike a role player, I was a role player in this league. I never had the responsibility of carrying a franchise. I never had the responsibility of making sure that I was one of, or if not the best player on the floor at the end of the game. And Derek Rose's responsibility was a little different. And I think Derek understood it. I understood it for sure. Is Derek got hurt on the job. He didn't get hurt playing a pickup game. Motorcycles, yeah. Uh, Derek Rose got hurt in a playoff game. Up 12. In the United Center. Hmm. Okay? This is a little different. So the timing of it, the psychological things that you got to overcome, because if every athlete or anyone who has participated in sports at any level will understand that you have to trust your body, like there has to be a connection here. This isn't something where you just turn it on or turn it off. Okay. Derek's back back to Zach last night talking about tiptoeing through the first half of the game because he when you out there tiptoeing. And let me tell you something. If I saw someone tiptoeing or leaning or one moving a little different as an athlete, I'm going to attack that. Okay? And if you out there, then you fair game. Don't tell me, well, I'm out there, but I was only 55%. So got a jersey. That, that 45 that you gave me really went 45. No, you was out there. So <laughs> you got to understand what it is. So. The thing is, I think now when you look back on it, you'll say, wow, Derek did everything he could possibly. See, that's the one thing that, that's why it never bothered me or it it didn't bother him. But people questioned if he was doing everything he could possibly do. The the, the people questioned, but when you know what you're doing, then it it can't bother you because you know the absolute, unequivocally, you know the truth. The man did everything he could possibly do. Now, if there's one thing about Derek that he didn't accomplish in Chicago is Derek set out with one goal because he's a very simple person when it comes to this. He said, BJ, I just want to win a championship and experience what you experienced in Chicago. That was it. There was no MVP. There was no rookie of the year. There was no, I want to be a scoring champion. 
There Rose no, Rule for the CBA. I want yeah. to be an NBA All Star. Yeah, yeah. I, I just BJ. I just want to experience that in the city where I grew up. That was it. And the only thing that bothered him about all of this was that he didn't get a chance to do that. So all of the stuff that was said, and then it didn't the end, bother him that the city, well, half the city turned on him. It didn't bother him. No, because he's from Chicago. I I feel you. I feel you. I feel you. See, it bothered it bothered a lot of people that that it, that it, saw it though. Listen, man. and listen. I gotta be like, I got dead ass with you, BJ. A lot of people who held Derek up as this triumphing hero of humility, those are the same people that bashed the shit out of him in his darkest and, and moments. That's okay. And listen. it was it was tough to watch because it, it felt some of it felt personal. Well. Listen, when you make a commitment to live your life in the public eye, okay, so there's two people, you know, there's the person, which he understands. There's Derrick Rose. No one really knows Derrick Rose except his inner circle. Let's just be honest. Derrick isn't out here tweeting. Derrick isn't out here on Instagram. Derrick isn't out here. That's, I mean, look, it, I, I had to push him to get to every commercial. These people are paying you oh, millions of dollars and you're like, he's like, but but that's not what I play. Okay, but this is the business future. All right, I'll do it. It, it was like always. I that. heard about the 2K shoot. Yeah, like, you know, <laughs> it's not that he didn't want to do it because he right. didn't want his obligation. It he wasn't was like, top of mind. Yeah. I just don't, I didn't play the game to be a star. That's what I admire. I was like, the true superstars don't play to be superstars. That's probably why they are superstars because what they play for is the love of that game. Mm -hmm. That's all he, Derek just wanted to play. Hey, Derek will tell you, man, I just want to hoop. Where's, I just want to hoop. Well, what about the others? No, I don't know. You know, you can do the interviews. You can do, I just want to hoop. Yeah. Okay. Low management. No, that wasn't, he just wanted to hoop. And if he could hoop, he would play. But when he is hurt, I always know it's something that's really wrong with him because he always wants to play. So, you know, it, it's, it I didn't think bother what him bothered, as much as we thought it. No, it didn't. Because as he would tell me, PJ, I'm from Chicago. I know my people. I know what my people want. And they should want this. He, Derek, when you accept the responsibility of a star, think about this. Why was he a star? Because the city said, oh, we can win this thing. Think about what I'm saying. It ain't like just anybody. You said, oh, Derrick Rose, we got a real shot to do this. At the height of LeBron mania. Okay. Now, LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, Ray Allen, Shane Battier, Udonis, all these dudes. And it was just Derrick Rose. And Derrick Rose gave us, oh, you like. And it took six games to beat him. And he was, what, in year, what, three? Yeah. Somewhere around there? Yeah. He's supposed to have been a senior in college. Think about what I'm saying. So when you know what it is, all the other stuff is just noise. I know what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. And he would say, I know my people, and I know they should expect this. But I know I can deliver this. That's, the, that's what I loved about he wasn't running away from it. He was like, B, I got this. We're going to do this. 
I'll never, I'll never forget asking him about the shooting guard. <laughs> I, I've never seen a man ride for Keith Bogans harder in my hey, life. Keith <laughs> rolled with, with his guys. And, and if you ask them then, you ask them now, say, what you need? B, I got everything I need. I'm good. I'm good. And that's the type of confidence that you say, if he believe it, I believe it too. And he rolled with that. And he knew, and them guys rolled with him. So that's why it was so great. And then when the city starts saying, uh, you know, and I would ask, I said, you all right? He was like, B, I'm from Chicago. I grew up here my whole life. He was like, come on, man. We got thick skin around here and we laugh about it. I said, okay, if he good, I'm good. And we, because I knew he was working. I knew what he wanted to do. And he knew Chicago. Like I knew Chicago. So all right, and let, let's play and try to get back. And, uh, you know, and and now he, that's that's the only thing that he wanted to accomplish. He wanted to win one for the city. Hmm. He was like, like this Chicago, man. He like, yeah. buckle up. <laughs> yeah. You know? What could that career have been? Well, you know, as an athlete, injuries are a part of the game. That's that's part of, and you just hope it's an injury that you can recover from. You know, like you know, Michael got hurt. You know, Michael broke his foot. Mm-hmm. You know, Bill Walton. There's been some injuries in this game. Ralph Sampson. There's been a lot of wonderful Grant Hill, Brandon Roy. There's been a lot of incredible players. We've Bill all been yeah. injured. Yeah. Bill Walton. We've all been injured. Everyone is going to sustain an injury. You're just hoping that it's an injury that you're able to come back from. And that, that that's just how it goes. Like, that, that's just how it is. So what I think, you know, when you watch players mature, you know, I, I, as a young player, I, I remember all, I watched the veteran. I said, no, why are y'all always putting ice on? Why are y'all always stretching? And I can still hear Bill Cartwright saying, hey, it's going to be you someday. And he, and he always would tell me, a prof- true professional is going to age gracefully. Yeah, man. Okay? A true professional. So when I watch Derrick Rose today, y'all keep saying what could have been. What I'm seeing is a young kid who came in in 19... One year removed from Simeon High School, so I'm watching a true professional today. So to me, that makes me smile because he's aging gracefully. He came in playing one way, and he's still doing it 14 years later. That's a pro. See, Derrick Rose is a pro. So for me, it's not what could have been. This is what it is because. It would seem that a, a man who was in that space, you know, you don't want to give up that space, right? But you deal with the reality of what it is. Derek changed this game. We, uh, we, 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 we knew we was going to have to be a different player. Mm-hmm. And I can remember talking to him specifically about when I first came to the Bulls, Michael Jordan was a physical specimen that it didn't matter what you did. When I saw him in 96, 97, 98, I was like, oh, wow, this dude is fading away. 
ain't never seen Michael fade away from nothing. Mm-hmm. But because he was aging gracefully, that's why I would always joke with him then. 96, 97, 98 can't compete with 91, 92, 93, Michael. Because 91, 92, 3, Michael, that dude physically was just on a whole nother level. Like, he would play 48 minutes and wouldn't sweat. <laughs> I mean, he was just a, he was a different athlete. He was just a, you know what I mean? Like, everybody else is trying to catch a breath. He's like, okay, let's go. You know, he was just, physically, he was just so, imp- he could impose his will on you physically. He didn't even have to get to the mental part. 96, 97, 98, he had to, you know, finesse it a little bit. He had to fade away, footwork, pump, pump fake, pump fake yeah. and all that. You know what I mean? Like, I love it when people say the ball, like, he had to show the ball. Okay, he had to, like, do things. He still got 30, but he just had to do it. 91, I ain't need a fake. It was one <laughs> dribble, dunk. Two dribbles, whatever. You know what I mean? He, he was just so physically imposing. He could pick up full court. He could do so many things he couldn't do, but because he was a pro. And we used to talk about how he, what his game was going to look like. We used to talk about how, he, how the game changed. When Derek came in the league, it wasn't all this three-point shooting. Right. He was going to have to change his game. He was going to have to learn how to play from a different areas and different angles. So the game changed. The game evolved. They went small ball. And all of these things, and Derek, to his credit, he absorbed it, he figured it out, and he changed his game. So you say, what could have been? Like, to me, this is, like, beautiful because the young kid that I saw coming in, I mean, it was he was just acrobatic. He was coming in, twisting and turning and... Southside cradle. Yeah, it was just like, you know, he was coming in, you know. I thought the cradle, playing football, yeah. what you doing? Yeah, he coming right. dribbling. I was like, what is that? You know, yeah, you yeah. know like, how do you, you know, I was asking him questions. Yeah, so, that's how to keep, let's protect the ball during the varsity yeah, when you get fouled five see, times. Yeah, so now you see the floaters, the runners, these little push shots. Right. I mean, he's really like, it's like kind of fun for me to watch because you're saying, you know what? And then every now and then, he is showing to you, and then we always had the biggest laugh. And he always he always sends me a text. B, I still got it when I need it. So hit that turbo like, button. Yeah, he'll hit it. He'll dunk every now and then just to let you know. You know, yeah. throw it in there. So, you know, it's fun to watch. And it's always fun to watch people grow and develop. And I'm so happy for him. And I'm so happy for all these guys who come in one way. Because we all have to go through it, right? You know, watching LeBron. I remember watching LeBron play as a ninth grader in high school. Okay, I was there watching him as a freshman in high school to seeing him 37 now shooting from like half court. Like, it's just kind of fun to like, right. you know, it's, it, you know maybe watch sometimes. The, watch the evolution, right? Yeah, because I was, I was working in the front office. I still have my scouting notes on LeBron James in high school, watching him as a McDonald's All-American, him and Chris Paul. I remember that. Yeah. What was the strengths? Might be one of the best ever. <laughs> like what? What, well, <laughs> what were you writing you know, down in the scout notebook when watching? I, I can tell you, you know, when you when you watch, I haven't had. I've, I've I've only had the pleasure of hearing this twice in my years of being in the professional ranks, right? Because I always wanted to learn how to evaluate scout players. Well, I should say two and a half players. When I first heard and saw Kevin Garnett. I was shocked at how hard he played as a young kid. Very rare do you play that hard when you're that young. 
I was like, I was like, oh wow, he plays hard as a young kid. Mm-hmm. That that was like shocking. But you that know, was going like, to translate. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't like he had a turnaround jump shot and all the things he eventually evolved into. But I was really shocked at how hard he played. I was like, this young man plays hard already. Okay. Now, there's two players that I thought I've ever seen that were can't miss, and I think it was a consensus. When Kobe Bryant was coming out of the Philadelphia, the late Kobe Bryant, it was very obvious to me that this was something that was a little different. It wasn't like, okay, this guy can play in the league. You were saying, this is something a little different. More than a pro. Yeah, okay. And LeBron James was so physically imposing as a freshman in high school that you knew you were watching physically something that was different. He wasn't like, you weren't saying, oh, when he grows into his body or if he's going to get taller or is he going to grow? You were saying physically he was so imposing and he had such control of his body. You know, like you'll see like a big kid, you know, you'll see a big, and you'll be like, Okay, when he learns the, no, it was like his spatial awareness. If it was like in ninth grade, he was like he could stop, he could control it, he could, you know, he just was like in command of his body. You were like, man, how old is this kid again? He a senior, right? And it's like, no, he a freshman, and he was that big as a freshman. He was six seven or six eight then, two thirty, and he was playing the point guard. And he was playing it, and he wasn't, like, you know, backing up. He was, like... <laughs> Facing up and doing his thing. Yeah. But you was, I was just amazed at how, how much control he had of his body. That's what I was impressed with. So I, I remember those two stood out to me as, like, I just want to see what he could be. And did I think he had... Did I, I thought he had a chance to be considered one of the best. You never know who's going to be the best or whatever. But I thought he had a chance and he's had an incredible run at it. And look, he came in with a lot of hype. He came in and he's delivered. He's delivered. And he's delivered on 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 the promise that we all saw as a young kid. I'm glad you just mentioned LeBron, uh, because I'm I'm not gonna do the hacky LeBron versus Michael Jordan thing that right, everybody right. likes to do because I'm tired Thank of that you. conversation. And it's like we can enjoy both careers and 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 try to like because you know what's so crazy? Mike didn't have to deal with Mike. You know what I mean? Like, post-Michael Jordan, shit is a whole different ball game in terms of, like, I, I remember enjoying watching Clyde Drexler or understanding that my pops loved Bernard King and why he did. Now it's like, hey, guess what? Bernard King and Clyde Drexler didn't win shit, so that don't mean they, 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 they could be put in a certain conversation. Like, now, post-Jordan, that's why these kids are not kids, but that's why these these guys in the league now are like, I got to get somewhere to win one, or I got to figure out how I can win a championship, or just championship crazy. You should want to win no matter what, but you, you're not going to be considered what you think you should be considered uh, because of the legacy and and obviously the the era that that Michael Jordan spawned after him. I want to know from you in watching how NBA players have gained so much power, right? And now you're starting to see 
Because I was waiting for the quarterback club in the NFL to realize how much power they had. And now you're starting to see guys like Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, like, hey, you know, by the way, y'all got to get things better around me or else I'm going to leave, <laughs> right? Players have so much power now. Do you think that if players had this similar power in the 80s and 90s, we'd see some of the same dynastic runs? Like if, if Michael Jordan was allowed to pick his teammates or allowed to have the kind of um, say-so, that some of these great players have now, um, can players kind of be their their worst enemy sometimes? Can can the can the GM in your head betray the player on the floor sometimes? And do you see that happening in this current edition of the NBA every once in a while? You know, that's a that's a really great question. It's it's a very sophisticated question um, on a lot of different levels. And whenever a player asks me for a trade. I always ask them, can I ask you a question? Let's first identify who and what we're trading from your viewpoint. Okay. Are you a star player or are you a role player? Okay. The easiest thing to do is for me to say everybody else is messed up. And I always get, man, what you mean? No, we're going to have a real conversation. Right. I have to ask you for permission. Do I have permission to tell you the truth? Okay. And, and they always answer, yeah, yeah, man, keep it real. You know, you know how to uh, keep it real. Okay. Now, let me tell you about this NBA, which will never change. You are only as good as your best player. If you telling me you are a role player and you need to play with a great player, then I can do my job. But if you're telling me <laughs> that you're a great player and you need to be traded because these role players aren't good enough, then I got to tell you the truth. Which batch of role players is going to make you better? <laughs> Where you going? Now, this is what I think that era understood. Michael Jordan didn't want no was that because of the systems in place? No, right? because he had the ultimate confidence True. in his ability. You understand me? Michael would tell you the following. Don't help me, go help the bear. You understand? This was no, I need this, I need that. Just give me guys who are going to play hard. See, it's a, it's a difference in the mentality. We're looking at the physical things. Okay, how many points? How many rebounds? What's his assist average? Mentally now, I'm telling you that this guy looked at you and said, I'm coming after all of y'all. I'm going to attack you offensively and, de and defensively for 48 minutes. How many players are actually good enough to do that? He could attack you defensively. He was the defensive player of the year. We keep talking about all these MVPs. Michael Jordan could attack you defensively. He could attack your handle. He could play post defense. He could dodge them screens. He could shoot the lanes. He could rebound and push out. There wasn't a phase of his game that he couldn't affect the game. So he wasn't worried about I need shooters. Michael said, I can play and create my own space. He could create his own space. 
Great players are always looking for space to operate. Okay? So when I hear players, oh, man, I need space. Well, okay, probably because you can't create your own space. So you need, you need spacing on the floor. Michael had the footwork to create his own space. Kobe had footwork to create his own space. Tim Duncan, Allen Iverson, they could create space. And the great, great, great players can play in tight spaces. That's why they're great. Okay, Steph Curry, to me, is what all great players do. He was like, where's the open space? Okay, it's not in the paint. It's not on three-point line. So he just moved so far out where no one else was hanging out. That's why he was shooting by himself. Now, do we ever think we would see someone that accurate from that? So all of a sudden now, everybody was like, oh, wow. That's, their, that's where the open space is at. So now... <laughs> everybody's playing out there. But now, guess what the game is doing now? The game is saying, where's the open space? It's on the block. Guess who now is playing great? Joel Embiid and Jokic. Right. So the great players are always getting where the space is at because they need space to be great. Michael was so good and his fundamentals were so elite that he could play from any space on the floor. He could play from the pinch post. He could play from the low post. He could play in transition. He could come off down screens. He could, you know, mid-range. He had a pull-up. He had he could play ISO. He could play the game any way you wanted it. On both ends of the court. You want to play physical? Great. You want to play up and down? Great. You want to make this a slowdown game? Great. He could do it. He could pass from the he could do all these things. So he was the big saying, joker. He, he, he was literally just a complete, he was fundamentally speaking, he was as complete as I've seen. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, Larry Bird, I caught Larry Bird at the end, but I remember, I, I, you know, you just know something is different. Larry Bird, offensively, you knew something was different. Like, I didn't even see him in his prime, but he was so good that you just knew something. Now, he couldn't do physically what Jordan could do on the defensive end. But offensively, man, I mean, post, pass, left hand, right hand. Like, he always caught the ball, like, with an advantage. He always caught the ball and had, he could put it on the floor. He just had, you know, you just, he had a, a, a inner confidence that was far superior than the other players. Mm-hmm. And that's what Michael had. His confidence is by far the greatest I've seen to the point where he he would take it as an insult. If you asked him what you need to win a championship, he took that as an insult. And the reason he was able to achieve this level of success is because he made it his he made it his business for you not to compare him to anyone. See, that's the difference. He, he wasn't trying to, he wanted you to say, he wanted you to say it. Not him. He wanted you to say it. Who he remind you of. Right. So when y'all, start, when y'all started saying he remind you of this guy, that guy, he took that as, okay, they don't think I'm that good. Who I remind you of now. And then when y'all start, finally started saying he's the best, then y'all made him. Mad. He was even. He was more mad 
because now he was like, it took y'all this long to figure it out. <laughs> See, he 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 always has something going on because it wasn't the other guys he was looking at. It was him. He put that pressure on himself. So that's why he played the way he played. People say, well, was he hard to play with? Nah. How could you play? How could you be? How could it be tough to play with somebody who just want to be the best version of themselves? Mm. He just wanted to be the best version of himself. You know what I mean? If you called him and asked him, hey, we playing the game, he was going to show up at the run. The difference was he wasn't just going to show up at the run. He had to dominate the run. Right. That's the difference. Right. So uh, for him, uh, you know, I, I, I think now guys want to win because it's they're, they're, they're trying to achieve something on the outside. I've never seen, you know, listen, I'm sure the six championships mean a lot. But the pressure that he put on himself, what I saw him, how I saw him prepare for those moments, what I saw him endure going through all that piston stuff and the pressure and the time and all of those things, you just don't beat. That's not an accident. That's just not an accident. You follow what I'm saying? That's not yeah. like, yeah, yeah. You, you just don't show up and well, I'm going to work on my game and be that. No, there is something in you. There's something in you that's driving you. It's kind of like it's a gift and it's a curse all wrapped up in one because no one, listen to me, no one should be, should have that much drive to play the game at that level. And I'm talking every single game. I'm talking every single practice. I'm talking everything you do. He can't help himself. That's not something you teach. That's not something you say, well, we're going to go to, you know, you hear guys, uh, I'm going to go to the gym and grind today. It wasn't a show. It was just part of the thing. If you called him right now and started talking to him, he would stop doing what he's doing and say, where you want to play this one-on-one at? You understand? <laughs> This isn't no, this isn't normal. You he walked up like to you, magic at the seventy five yeah, yeah, celebration yeah, yeah. and told him he still and, and, give and it to I, him. I'm not going to tell you what I said to him after that, but <laughs> you that's probably him. should. I mean, and it's a small him. podcast. Nobody. No, listens. that's what you I'm good. saying. That's what I'm saying. But that's him, though. It's not a show. Trust me, people. That's not a show. That's not doing it for the camera. And the sad part about it, because we're all old now. He was ready to play. Yeah, he was. You know, <laughs> the sad part about it is, okay. Oh, it's halftime oh, of the All-Star game. Yeah, we, can, we, can, we can clear this off real quick. <laughs> Y'all might be talking trash. He's ready to play. And he's for real. You can't talk trash to him because he's. it's always on. It's well, not BJ, going on. I, I think you're, de- I think you're uh, detailing the mind of a crazy person. Is what well, you're no, doing. Not, that, <laughs> no, it's just, in a good way. In a good yeah, way. Because you didn't hit me with a couple of y'all's already here. So you're, you're already going to have people on my ass. Like I'm on the other side of things. When I'm just chasing golf in my, in my, you know, in my single solitary stance. Yeah, not affiliated yeah, yeah, with nobody. Yeah, you're you yelling me. Are you going to have my mentions on fire? Yeah, you're y'all be doing the Derek party. You're yelling me doing the, the Jordan party. You already know they, yeah, you know, yeah, Chicago yeah. be on my I, ass I'm already. Sorry. Just, nah, I'm messing with you. Going here. you <laughs> I'm just, uh, you know, I'm just watching, man. I just watch the game. And yeah, like, I love the yeah. game. I love it. You know, 
I love watching these kids play, but I want to see them. I want to see them move to the next level. I really want to see these kids move to the next level and where they're not being compared to what somebody did 25, 30 years ago. Make your own. It's time now. It's time for us to say, okay, what happened in the 90s happened. Now let's look what's happening now. What the game look like now. We'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff. After a word from our sponsors. Who you like watching, besides your clients, maybe some of them are your clients, but who yeah. you like watching the most right now in the game? And this Giannis kid I find fascinating. Dude, I'm so glad you just said that because the last time I saw you in person was the summer league of Giannis's second year when yeah, Jason yeah, put yeah. him at the point guard spot and yeah, we was in yeah, Vegas. Yeah, yeah. And I was sitting next to you, I'm like, what you think? And you were like, it's going to be a problem. And that was second year Giannis. Yeah, and to watch yeah, what yeah. the maturation level has been now, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, you know... There's been some events that have happened, right, in my lifespan that, you know, you, you were like, oh, man, things happen. You know what I mean? And the last event that really caught my eye in, in the basketball world was the 92 Olympics. The 92 Olympics was important because suddenly now we had our greatest players who were superstars, the Birds, the Magics, Jordan, Barkley, Malone, all those guys we put them on the world stage for the world to see. And I remember thinking then, man, that's, going, that's a game changer. Because now the world, you know, it's, it's one thing when you see something on television. Yeah. But it's another thing when you can touch it. You feel it, yep. Okay, suddenly now, all of those players who played against Team USA could go back and say, I played against Michael. I played against Scott. I saw Larry Bird. And then those guys were like, what is it like? And now the mystique is gone. I, 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 and it was just, you know, because when you play in, in our era, you wanted to always, there was, you always wanted to keep your mental edge. And you don't, you didn't want to get close to players. Like today, everybody wants to get close. But I wanted, it was like a, there was a real thing, there's a real thing called intimidation. Mm -hmm. If you watch international play today, there's no more fear of Team USA. And that all started in 92. It's now, it's to the point now, but think about what I'm about to say. Giannis is back-to-back -back MVP. Yeah. Jokic. 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 Could very well be back-to-back -back MVP. The Clippers a couple years ago tried to run up on Doncic and he didn't yeah. blink. MB, <laughs> MB could yeah. be the MVP. Yeah. Luka Doncic is a monster, could very well be the MVP. So the best young players in the game now are the foreign-born players. The intimidation is gone. Okay. And here's what, here's what I'm saying. If you want better players, you got to have better coaching. The coaching is significantly has improved outside of the United States to where now they, you see what they throwing off. Mm -hmm. And it's more coming down the pipe. Okay, there's more Manu Ginobili's. There's more Tony Parker's. Mm -hmm. Rudy Gobert's defensive player of the year. You see where this is going. Okay, now what I'm saying is Giannis is interesting because mentally there's something in this kid. 
I saw this kid as a young kid. I could remember where I was at. I was in Belgrade. Uh, no, no. I was in Serbia. I think Belgrade. I think that's where I was at. I was in Serbia. I remember I was in Serbia. And I remember there was this kid playing for Greece. And I was like, who was that kid? And they was like, oh, that's Giannis. And I didn't know what to make of it. But I just knew there was something in him where you see him playing the game with this level of passion as a young kid. And they was like, oh, he can't shoot. Oh, he can't do this. I was like, no, that's going to translate. Oh, he can't shoot. Oh, he's bad shot. You know, oh, I remember that we were talking. I was over there working with some of our, of our partners in Serbia. And I followed this kid. And his story is so fascinating to me of how he and his family got here and what he was able to overcome. Selling stuff on the beaches of Greece, man. And how every single year he adds something new to his game. Now, when he, not if, when he gets a perimeter shot. It's happening right now. When, when it's become consistent, I think he can make a run like a Michael Jordan. Really? Oh, it, no, no, because he can dominate the game without scoring. He's already he's already won a defensive player of the year. He does see the great the great players. The other parts of their game have to catch up. When I see a player who is so dominant on one end, and his offense has to catch up, Jordan's offense had to catch up to his defense. Giannis not only is a good defensive player, he's a rim protector. He could easily be a five man and play the game as, a, as the, as the best the, center in the league. He played point guard. I saw him play point guard in the summer league. Yeah. Yeah. When his jump shot gets consistent, I think he can go on a run. I think he can really go on a run. So all of the players, y'all, y'all better beat him now. Because when he gets a consistent jump shot, because he's not trying to be friends with these guys. There's something in him that is making him want to compete against these guys. And he did something that I don't see many do. He said, thank you, but no thanks. I'm staying right here in Milwaukee. Now I'm nervous because (laughs) if he plays, if he could play with one of these guys, when I say one of these guys, let's say a a top 75 player. Right, right, right. Okay. Chris Middleton is a really, really good player. And so is Drew. Drew is a, real, is a mm-hmm. really, really good player. But if he played with one of those guys, let's say Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, he probably wouldn't lose a game. If him and Kevin Durant played on the same team, I bet you they would probably go at least 81 and 1. <laughs> I, I do. I, if Kevin Durant and Giannis played on the same team, yeah, no, I feel you. <laughs> he's that good. Yeah. And he doesn't even have to score. Right. He's this good and he's an incomplete player. Think about what I'm saying. No, I got you. I've I've been I've been championing the Giannis thing. I you know it's crazy. I I um on in my former radio life on 670 the score, uh after I came back home from that summer league where I saw you, I was like, yo, I I just saw Mega Pippin. Like I I saw I just saw if you put all of the the Monstar stuff over Scottie Pippen and, and stretched him out four inches, you know what I mean? 6'11", right. 
long arms. I just saw a dude who I think is going to be one of the best players. And then it's kind of like when your favorite garage band gets big and they start selling right, out right. arenas. Everybody jump on. I'm like, all right, cool. I'll move on to the next guy. But yeah, man, Giannis is that dude. Giannis, I dude, I um, I, I appreciate you so much. And and I, I last thing I want to get into with you as as we let you go, and I appreciate your time, man. Uh, the 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 second part of your professional life, you know. Uh, right. I was one of those dudes who was rooting for you to be, and I, I said it on the air, and I'll say it anywhere. I was rooting for you to be running the Bulls. Right, uh, right. You know, I, I, I was rooting it. for this to be a different conversation, but I'm very, very, um, you know, happy with how things turned out for you. But right. what did you learn in that post-playing portion of your life where you're trying to figure out what was next and settling into uh, yeah. being a representative and trying to, you know, school young folks on the things that they are about to go through in the NBA. Right. Well, it, it's so important for all of us, you know, you know, I had a coach one time, you know, when I, when I got drafted, man, congratulations, you know, and you're full of joy, right? You just got drafted lifelong dream and he takes an air pen, sticks it in the ball. And he's talking. He says, now, what are you going to do when the air comes out of this ball? Oh, man. It's just like just like the first week I just got drafted, right? right, right. I'm, I'm, You're riding high. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm feeling good about myself, man. I made it. You know what I mean? No more class. I didn't got through a few years you know, of college. You know coach, what I'm yeah, yeah, it wasn't even about. It wasn't even like my high school coach. Or college, just a, you know, coach just I had. Coach. You know, in the right. in the city of Detroit, takes the pen, puts it in the ball. Hey man, how you feel? How was the, how was New York? You know, and he said, "Now what you gonna do when this air come out of the ball?" And he just dropped the ball on the floor. He said, now, when that ball bounced, you, you might be worth a million dollars. He said, now, what you going to do when the ball can't bounce? And this is like my first, literally, it wasn't like two or three days after the draft. And it, and it hit me because I didn't know what I was going right, to do right, in that air. Right, you know right, what I mean? 22. You know, when the, you know what's... <laughs> He literally took the air out of the ball. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. So it's just like, you know, it, it was like one of those like moments, like. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was like, I was like, okay, damn, what am I going to do uh, when that uh, air I'm going to have, I'm gonna have like, to get a job after this first contract. PJ, like, <laughs> like, what you going to do now? When I put the air back in the ball, that guy can make a million dollars. But if I take the air out, what is that guy going to do? Right. And that was the first time and one of the very few times that someone actually talked to BJ. Not the basketball player, but to BJ. Okay, there was BJ in that uniform, and then there was BJ that wasn't in that uniform, and I had to talk to that guy. And suddenly, I was looking at that guy, and I felt naked at that moment because I didn't know what I was going to do if that air wasn't in that ball. But by him saying that, that drove me to a place because I was always aware that that air was going to come out of that ball. Okay, in my office, I take all of the airs out of the ball because that forces me to always get myself on my grind when I want to go do and that. Because that, it, that, that little discussion meant so much to me. I'm not saying I was prepared for it, but I wasn't going to run from it. I didn't know what I was going to do. I still don't know what I'm going to do. But what I do know is that I'm just going to follow my heart. And I do. I love this game. 
And I, I was, I was curious enough to want to know how this business worked that I was coming into. Now, everybody was there to help me get a better jump shot, help my defense, help my passing, do all of those things. But nobody ever prepares you for this business that you're walking into because it truly is a business. Okay, there's the basketball business, then there's the business of basketball. No one ever prepares these kids, myself included, on how this business really works, how the salary cap really works, how all these partners are in partnership with these teams, these leagues, why these games need television. What's their relationship with the media? Why is this really important? No one really, you just, they throw you in there and they see who's going to swim. There's no artist development. Yeah. So I was just curious to say, hey man, I don't even know how I really was drafted. Just be honest. Like, who taught you really how to scout? The NBA game is the only game that's played only in the NBA. You don't play the NBA rules in the park. You don't play the NBA rules in college or in high school. No one teaches you about the NBA other than you watch it. And the only way you're going to learn this is in the NBA. So I said, the first thing I better know is the rules of the NBA. How I was drafted, how they run these teams. Why we play 82 games? Why we don't play 75 games? How do you put together a team? How do you trade players? How do you draft a player? I wanted to know everything about this business. Why is Gatorade on all of the seats? Why is there, you know, Spalding? Why do we play with a Spalding or now it's Wilson basketball? Wilson, yep. What's the colors? Why we play with home jerseys, white color jerseys? Why are they built? Why are they tearing down the Chicago Stadium and putting up the United Center? I wanted to know what was going on with this business I was coming into because there were things happening I just didn't know. I, I had no idea. You know, why is Jordan Jordan? Why is it this guy? Okay. What is a small market? What is a big market? All of these things. And once I did that and I learned that in Chicago, you know, it happened by mistake. I, I, I just fell into being an agent. And how I fell into being an agent is because I suddenly realized there was a huge gap because these players were coming from high school straight to the league. So there was no place for these gifted players to make a transition to become a pro. And that's how I got here. Okay, you didn't, you're not, you weren't going to go to college for a couple of years to kind of, you know, get yourself ready, you know, socially, kind of learn something about yourself. Not learn the game, learn something about yourself before we threw you in this fight. Now they were coming straight from high school to here. And that's how I got here because I saw it and I was like, okay, oh wow, if we don't, now they call it player development. There was no player development back then. If we don't figure this out, the game is going to suffer. Because there was no place for them to actually figure it out. Like, you know, you're 18, you go to prom, you get drafted. <laughs> Here's $3 million. <laughs> literally. <laughs> but how is he going to learn how to play? Right. You know, so. I, I, I'm, I'm still in the game. It's just in a different way. You know, I don't look at it as 
I'm on the executive side or I'm in the agent side. I just look at it. What are you doing for the game? And so I've been fortunate. I've been in this pro game now since, you know, the late 80s. And I'm still talking about the game, still watching the game. I still love the game. It looks different. You know, I love it when old school. No, it's not old school. It's just just it's just the game. I understand why they do. You understand why they had to change the rules. They had to change the rules. Why? Because the, the physicality of the game was going to put everyone at risk. It doesn't make that generation tougher. I played in that generation. Say it again. Say it yeah, again. It doesn't. It just they needed to change the rules because the athletes were putting each other at risk. And the athletes were also becoming worse. Yeah, more. I mean, the so investment I, I look, was higher. <laughs> I, I I look at the, some of the I look at the tape and I said, look, I was like a buck seventy five, buck eighty, wet, soaking wet. How I survived in that era, Dumb. I don't know. But uh, what I do know is that you know what, it was a different era. Like I see guys going to the basket, then they will do the shimmy when they come back. I was like, nah, uh, you know, Rick Mahorn and Jeff ruling them, they weren't having that shimmy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you know what, no, you better stop and pop. You know what? Yeah, I just right. say that to myself. <laughs> But it doesn't make it, it was tougher. It was just the era that you played in. You know right, what I mean? Right. So, uh, but I love the game. I love it. I don't know what I'm going to do next. I never thought I'd be sitting here talking on a podcast. I was like, what? If you told me 25 years ago, I'd be on a podcast. You'd be on a podcast. What's yeah. a podcast? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, What's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it, you know, it's fascinating. I love it. I get a chance to be around young people. And thank you so much for having me. You know, this is always great talking basketball and sharing old man stories about things. But you know what? It's a different game. And I just try to enjoy this era, this version for what it is and uh, pass on the knowledge because I want these guys to be great. I want these guys to be talking about them. You know, the last dance just makes me laugh because I never knew my life was that exciting. I was just oh, a young Oh, man, kid. that BJ Armstrong yeah. episode, boy, I was sitting yeah, there like, I, I, I watched his whole career and I forgot yeah. about this game. Yeah, I, didn't know, I, just, I didn't know Mike I, felt this I way. Knew, you know, it's funny. You know, you were like, I was like, man, I knew he was good, but I never thought like, it never like, I came to practice and go, that's the greatest player to ever play. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, Scotty Pippen, oh, that's a, that's a top yeah. 50, you know, you, you just, yeah. oh, yeah, this yeah. is going to be one of the greatest teams. Like, it just never occurred to me. And then to see it, and then your kids are asking, like, Dad, man, you did that? I told you I played. They don't even right. believe I played until then. You know what I mean? So it, it, it's, it's great. Um, and awesome. I appreciate you guys for, st- you know, still asking questions because I can't believe it. You know, half of the stuff I can't even remember. And uh, it's funny. And you guys keep me keep me sharp. So I appreciate you having me. And yeah, uh, hey, hey, anytime, anytime. Uh, you know, I'm always around. Hey, BJ, thank you so much for your time, man. And like you mentioned, you have lived a basketball life that is uh, full of stories, full of intrigue, and uh, full of information. And I'm glad you're passing it along to uh, some of the younger cats right now because uh, without cats like you, we'd see a lot more higher incidents of things that uh, people like to talk about with athletes. You see how it doesn't happen as much with the NBA. Right? Yeah. When we talk about NFL athletes and Major League Baseball athletes and hockey athletes, there's a certain line that NBA players have to walk for obvious reasons, and guys like you are the reasons why they don't even have to come close to that line. So, uh, appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for jumping Jason, on with thank us. You. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, my friend. I yes, really sir. appreciate it, man. It's a blessing, man, and uh, appreciate you having me. And uh, you're doing a great job. You're doing an incredible job. And, uh, hey, anytime. Hope we can do it again sometime. Yes, sir. BJ Armstrong on the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff. The Full Go.
with Jason Goff. That's all the time we have for episode 77 of the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff, brought to you by The Ring. We'd like to thank BJ Armstrong. He sat down with us. We chopped it up for an hour. I hope you guys appreciated some of the insights, some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. When we come back on Thursday, we're going to talk about the Bears' free agency. Mitchell Trubisky is a Pittsburgh Steeler. Larry Ogunjobi is now a defensive tackle for this team. So the defense and the offense are reshaping themselves. Oh, yeah, the departure of James Daniels. And, of course, the Bulls' West Coast road swing. We'll have all that for you on Thursday's pod. So for Steve Cerruti, my main man, Jesse Lopez, and our guy, Chris Tannehill. I'm Jason Goff. Thanking you for listening to this thing, downloading this thing, sharing this thing, rating and reviewing it, doing whatever you do to this podcast. We truly appreciate all of it. This has been the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff, brought to you by The Ringer and, of course, Spotify is the gang. We leave you with this. Take care of each other out there. And remember, please be safe.